but somebody tells you that they've experienced this and this was their light bulb moment. And you're like, huh, that's exactly what I've been missing. And those are the kinds of real, real raw stories that we want to bring out and just share with people, share in a constructive way, share in a loving way, just to be there to support each other. Because this adulting thing is very, very lonely and it can make you feel inadequate. It can make you feel unworthy, but you're not. You are so, so much more. You are incredibly special and your experiences can change somebody else's life. Yes, everyone is special and can use those gifts in a way that changes our world for the better. This episode shares how 21-year-old Elle went from a dark, cold jail cell to transform herself and start helping others with the idea for power adulting. This show quickly picks up where part two left off, so get ready for a wild ride because we jump right into a difficult discussion about Elle's big mess up. Heads up also on a valuable resource to fast track your personal growth. We have a brand new interactive book called The Graduate Project, a success guide for parents of new adults, which is being released for the Christmas season. It's written to help parents better understand students and more fully grasp the difficulty of this adulting journey in today's complex society. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Power Adulting for updates on when you can pre-order the book. I think you're going to love it. This is the Power Adulting Podcast, where we are hunting down the experiences, struggles, and golden nuggets of wisdom from our helpful guests. Stay tuned for an exciting weekly adventure that uncovers practical tips, tools, and tactics to get you from stuck in the muck to smashing your way through life's toughest roadblock. There were some negative mistakes that you made, but there were some great things, some skills that you showed with money. It's kind of that this skill surfaced in an unusual way from you ending up making some mistakes and ending up in the slammer. Should I explain that or would you like to? I'm happy to explain it. Drinking and driving is unacceptable and it leads to landing in jail and having to pay the repercussions, potentially harming yourself, harming people around you. It's careless. It's reckless, especially when, look, this is me looking back right now because I was on the opposite end of the spectrum, carefree, just doing whatever the heck I wanted. And I deserved my DUI through and through. I deserved it far earlier than I got it. And I'm so thankful that I did have to go through that situation. And I hope and pray that I can be there to provide answers and support to people who are still in that mindset because you just one one act, one act of getting behind the wheel and doing something like driving will change your life. It it can kill somebody, it can end somebody's life, it can just alter your life in ways that one fun night never should. And we have so many resources available to us with all, all these phone, taxis, Uber, Lyft, all these things. I always tell people a $1,000 Uber 
is more worth it than ever getting behind the wheel in a car. Because not only are you risking your own life, you're risking the people who are around you when you're driving under the influence, but you also have to pay a huge fine. You have to go through all these court fees, all these court dates. It's just a horrible pain. And then on top of it, you have to, without a license, because your license gets suspended for either between a year if you don't use a car for like work purposes or up to almost two years if you do get a temporary license for work purposes. So you don't have this car and somehow you're supposed to get to these classes twice a week where you have to go sit through these DUI classes and then counseling sessions with other people who've gotten a DUI. And it is just the most time-consuming, exhausting, mentally, physically, emotionally situation that could have easily been avoided had you slept where you were, had you picked an Uber, called a friend, called a parent. I couldn't imagine any one of the friends that loved me that if I would have called them and been like, hey, I'm intoxicated, I need to get home, would you pick me up? You also would have done it easily. But it was my pride and it was the adrenaline and it was all these instant gratifications that led me to justify my actions. And I had been doing it for far too long. And so this became a habit and I thought I was invincible. And it's wrong to think that you're invincible when you're putting other people's lives at risk. And so my DUI was a big wake-up call for me. I was, I had quit hard drugs and I was freshly 21. I was 22 at the time when I got my DUI. I was three months after turning 22 and I just thought I was invincible and I was deep in yet another addiction that transferred from eating to drugs to alcohol. And it was a huge, huge wake-up call. It was the best thing to ever happen to me. The most painful experience because I really had to lay down my pride and realize what I'm doing is wrong. The life I'm living is wrong. This is not who I wanted to be. I ended up in jail and I was like, I am not cool. This is not cool. This persona that I'm putting out there, that's not who I am. I'm not, I don't belong in jail. This is not where I want to end up. And it was the best and worst situation to ever happen to me. And I think because of it, I was able to grow immensely. And I hope that people can learn that these kinds of situations can be resolved before you end up in the slammer. You don't need to get there to be able to realize that these are bad decisions. But I was so blind and so hard-headed and stubborn that I didn't care. And not caring is the first step in killing yourself or killing somebody else. And that's just not something I could ever live with. And I'm so thankful that I did not hurt anybody except myself. And I'm I'm okay with hurting myself, but putting anybody at risk is unacceptable. And that's the problem with driving under the influence. Can you, real quick, as far as that cold, dark, scary night in jail, because that feeling, had you hurt somebody else, you could spend the rest of your life in that deep, dark, scary jail cell. So can you explain that to people with enough impact to help them avoid what you have experienced in a small way. Yeah. So when I got to jail, I was still somewhat intoxicated. Um, I had drank quite a bit of wine, a jumbo-sized bottle of wine to be precise. So I was quite a bit intoxicated, but when it when the I was pulled over and all, all of that happened, I sobered up real quick, but I obviously was still intoxicated. That does not justify anything. But 
I ended up getting to jail. Um, I had to get my blood drawn. I ended up in the, it's called the, the Santa Ana loop. So it's like a preliminary jail loop before they do the whole search and put you in new clothes and throw you into the actual jail. So I never got into actual jail jail, but the loop scared me enough to never, ever want to go back. And for me, what they did, it's these, this obviously a loop of rooms, jail cells. And so they start you in one room and you're normally with quite a few people. And then they kind of move you from room to room. And for me, it wasn't so bad. I mean, for me, it was more realizing that the people I was surrounded by were not people that were like me, were that had the same kind of ambitions and drive and and fire for life. Because at this that point in time, yeah, I was deep in addiction, but I still had a fire for life. I loved life and I really wanted to do something to make a difference. And the people that I was surrounded by when I was going through that experience were not the people that I wanted to be surrounded by. And so that was the preliminary wake-up call. And then everybody else ended up getting taken out of the jail cell hour by hour. It would be kind of less and less people. And what happens is when you get arrested, you have to stay in the drunk tank. I think that's what they call it at the loop for a certain amount of time before they'll release you. And so everybody else had gotten in earlier than I had. So I was the last person to leave, at least from my jail cell. And so the worst part of it was when people were in the jail cells, it was like you could people walk and it was at least entertained your mind a little bit. But it really got dark when everybody was out of the jail cell and I was left isolated in a jail cell, in a cement jail cell. It was freezing cold. And I was just sitting there like kind of rocking back and forth, stuck in my head. I realized I'm like thinking about how I just got a DUI, how I'm going to have to face you. I'm going to have to face Connor. I'm going to have to face all these people and that I really finally messed up. And that isolation, when I got deep into my head, when there was nobody else to distract me, when I didn't I didn't have the opportunity to people watch and really take my mind off of the reality of the situation, got really dark. It was that place where I finally, I don't remember exactly what I was thinking, but I just remember being, felt like a zombie. I was just like, this is not real. This is not where I am. How how could I have let myself end up here? I had so many ambitions. I w- had saved all this money to go study abroad again. And I was like, well, the 10 grand that I saved is going towards my DUI. Lucky me. And, and a lot more than that. <laughs> oh, yes. A lot more than that. But it was just when you force yourself to be quiet and dig into your head, those things that you were running away from and covering up with the different substances that you were using, they really lay right out in front of you. And you have to realize how toxic you were, how just selfish and totally disrespectful to yourself and the world you had been. And that was the start of the wake-up call for me. I mean, it was still a a journey. I wouldn't say that I got through that, the mental anguish and dealing with myself mentally for a good year and a half after being in the drunk tank itself. But it was the first kind of lightning strike that started that growth process for me. Thank you for sharing that. And I just want to repeat that that is just a a glimpse of what it would be like to be in an isolated cell, maybe with one other cellmate uh, or something like that for the rest of your days or for a long time had somebody been hurt. Absolutely. So the Bible talks about hell being this dark place uh, where you're alone for eternity. And I think of a jail cell uh, in much that same way. 
And time seems to stand still when you're in that isolation. You can't see a clock. You can't check in. You have your everything is just out of your control and you're at the mercy of the police officers who are running the jail cell and you just feel helpless and you are no one. It doesn't matter. You, You could be the greatest person on earth, but in that jail cell, you're no one. Yep. And no smartphones uh, either. So we, <laughs> Definitely uh, not. Well, it's like me going back to my childhood and you, you, it was in your own mind is the only place that you could play. You can't play games on a cell phone back in my day. Anyway, but the impressive part was that you had, to, you're quite skilled at saving the money and you saved up the more money than you needed than the $10,000 uh, that you had already saved. You saved it up again. So you really have done really well with money. So as far as we were talking about health, relationship, career, and money. So I just wanted to talk about that money uh, and then skip right into that career, which we've been talking about your schooling being your career. But here's in college uh, where these all these part-time jobs kind of paid off to where you were promoted to be supervising, was it 20 or about 30? 20, about 20. About 20 other students at this child's uh, bounce house, party house. See? So it was just kind of funny how uh, that happened. I don't know if there's uh, anything to explain there or if we should just uh, go on from there, but I was impressed at how you had made that happen. Yeah, no, I think it was a, just a really good stepping stone, a, a place for me to grow my leadership skills and my delegation skills and working on a team because I was the kind of person that really liked to be a lone wolf. And so I really felt like a career environment was able to, or a work environment was able to teach me how to work as a team efficiently and really build the communication and the camaraderie with the people around me. We have a, a, a similar goal. We're trying to do our work and have the most successful birthday parties. And so it was a really good place to build great relationships and develop that teamwork and that leadership ability. Yeah, I kind of saw that position as with your closeness uh, with the owners, the way they took you under their wing. You were kind of uh, almost like an assistant manager at, what, 21 or? Yeah, I had to be 20, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and that promotion and that uh, working together with other people was great. And then you went down to college at UC San Diego and instantly got a job at Trader Joe's, which is another great training. Excuse me, all these uh, insignificant jobs kind of built up to uh, having very good training and getting further training with Trader Joe's, which has a nice program set up for their staff. So anyway, I was impressed uh, with that. You know, as far as we're kind of getting to that point where... Where Al is is making some progress, I'm starting to see that light, uh, and just I think we sometimes forget. In the old days, light was a very valuable or precious commodity. I mean, you had to carry oil from miles in order to to light a lamp that would you know light it for a very short period of time. We take light for granted. You flip flip a switch now, uh, and so on, and the light comes in. And I think your journey has kind of been been like that. You 
you've took this for granted as far as this light that you're starting to see now, as far as helping other people, you've taken that for granted for a long time up until now. And you're just kind of moving from the darkness of drugs and self-absorption and so on into where you're letting that light shine. Now, the clouds are kind of, woo, kind of parting and, and, you're, and you're starting to let it shine. You know, and I think that all came about at UC San Diego. You were doing a a number of different majors. Uh, can you list off a few? Were, were there a half a dozen or a dozen uh, of those? So, mean, so you certainly didn't find your way immediately. No. At Saddleback, my community college, I had quite a few majors. I think communication was one. Geography was one. I ended up graduating there with a Spanish degree because Spanish is kind of something that was so natural to me. But when I transferred to UCSD, I was connecting the dots between my Spanish degree and my love for languages and communication. And so I went into UCSD as a linguistics major. And I got there and realized I don't really like the science math of linguistics. You'd think linguistics is like languages, but really it's very, very technical, in-depth look into languages. And I liked the more big picture kind of thing. I didn't like the the detail-oriented, the super specific different compartments of the language. And so I took a class through my linguistics department that was linguistics and sociology. It was a blended class that blended both departments. And I just fell in love. I was like, this social aspect of language is what I love. I love learning about people. I love learning about culture. I love learning about different perspectives and different ways that people view the world because I grew up really believing that there was one way or the highway. And as I grew and went through my education, I was enlightened to the fact that everybody has a unique opinion and a unique perspective. And it's so, so beautiful. And sometimes that makes people feel ostracized. And I actually feel the complete opposite. I feel like these differences are are a way to unite us together and to bring us together using storytelling and these different means that we have, these different experiences that we have. And so I was just thrilled. So I went more into the sociology route and absolutely fell in love with it with people. And I ended up minoring in education because I really, I've always been kind of in the teacher zone, but I didn't want to be stuck in a classroom. So I got some good insight into education. I interned in a classroom for uh, four quarters and was there three times a week. And it was a whole endeavor. And I'm really glad I had that experience. Um, it made me realize I didn't want to be in a classroom. So I recommend everybody to take internships while you're at school, get out there, get in the field and see if you like actually doing it because being in a classroom versus being on site in the setting is way, way different. And this is your opportunity too to figure out if this is actually something you want to spend your life doing. That's why you're paying all this crazy amount of money to go to school. And my last quarter at UCSD, I realized I was missing an important tool in my toolbox is I was a consumer, an avid consumer of social media, of technology, but I didn't understand how to use it. And I'm still no expert by any means, but I decided to take a digital marketing certificate through the UCSD extension program. And my last quarter, which is a 10-week quarter, I ended up taking eight classes. So I was taking five classes at the UCSD extension program to complete this digital marketing certificate, as well as my three main 
full-time courses at UCSD. So it was it was a crazy uh, quarter, to say the least. How many units would that have been? Wasn't it like 30 units uh, altogether? I think, I think it was 32 or something yes. just obnoxious like that. <laughs> something just astronomical. And I'm so grateful for the experience. I was really able to power it out, put my nose to the grindstone, and really get it done. But I wanted to break down and cry at the end of most <laughs> weeks. And that's okay, because you can get through it. But I wouldn't recommend more than maybe six classes. Eight was really pushing it. Well, you explored and explored and explored at college, and you came away with, I mean, it did take you six years to get through the community college as well as your four, uh, what takes most people four years, but you learned a lot. And I, I think the thing that changed you uh, is just as you were finishing up this last uh, semester or quarter uh, over at UC, you'd kind of always had this vision that you could create. Well, I guess it was kind of almost like this vision from above, which was telling you to create. But yet in your mind, you were thinking, I'm artistically challenged. I can't do this. Uh, Yeah, I think it was kind of the Lord pointing you in a different direction, but you were too darn stubborn to listen until there was one day when you went on a six-mile hike with a friend, and you shared an intriguing story that kind of ties right back into the Power Adulting podcast and where this idea came from. Can you explain that? Yeah, I was on this hike with a, she wasn't a close friend. She was more like a study buddy. And we were like, let's take a break from studying and go on this hike. And so it was great. And she really opened up to me. We didn't know each other very well. We just knew each other through acquaintances. And about a quarter of the way into the hike, halfway through the hike, she started telling me about the struggles she had with an eating disorder and that she had to be sent to a a house or a hospital kind of thing to really work through her eating disorder. And then it went further into her talking about her family. And she just really laid out her whole journey in front of me. And I was fascinated by it. I was asking her more questions and just digging into it. And it really sparked something in me like, wow, each and every one of us has such a beautiful perspective of the world. We go through these experiences that are very, very difficult. Her experiences were hard. My experiences were hard. But the beauty of our individuality shines through those experiences. Those experiences just define the adult that you become and they can either make you better or worse. I always wish that they make you better. That's kind of my hope for everyone. And it really sparked this idea that we need to be sharing our own stories more. We we hide behind photos and videos of fun times, the highlight reel, but that's not the true, raw, vulnerable people that we are. We are humans that make mistakes, that go through things, that suffer greatly, and we're surrounded by incredible other humans who can either bash us over social media like the internet loves to do, or instead we can change our viewpoint and we can embrace all these flaws and we can really see them as beauty marks and come together as a community to talk about our rough times, talk about our successes, talk about what we've learned and turn this into a community 
but more a family who can just be open and discuss things. Because when I was in my dark pit, I didn't talk to anyone. I just closed myself off and locked myself away. And I think that's the worst thing I could have possibly done. Maybe had I decided that I wanted to share what I was going through, I could have pulled through earlier than 15 years. But it took me 15 years to figure this out. And when I started talking about my experiences, talking about the way I feel without any shame, without feeling bad about my past, just sharing them, the weight was lifted off my shoulder. And I felt like I could be closer to people now that they were aware of my past. And it was the same with this friend on the hike was she laid everything out in front of me. She she didn't have any shame. She didn't feel bad about it. It was just a part of what made her her. And she was proud to have made it through these challenging years of her life where she battled herself in this eating disorder. And so it was really beautiful to see that. And it just launched me on this journey to really dig into people's stories. I want to know. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what your flaws are. I want to know those horrible, awful things that have happened to you that have ultimately made you into this incredible human being that you are today. Because everything that you go through, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, it makes you stronger in the long run. And our strength as human beings only comes if we are able to share that strength with others. You could be the strongest person ever, but if you you don't have a community around you, you can't be lifted up to that position that you should be in. Whereas if you come together, then everybody around you can elevate you and you can elevate everybody else. We're stronger as a unit rather than by ourselves. That is so, so true. So it it seems like kind of to summarize and wrap things up here, that voice in your head was telling you to create. And somehow you've turned that into a calling for your life. These stories are a valuable resource that can use all of our experiences to help one another. It's just kind of amazing to me how you have made this transition from a life on the edge of destruction, you know, that whole selfishness, uh, Mm -hmm. to now your career passion is to put others first instead of selfishness, selflessness. And I think that's where you've come up with the idea for wisdom chats uh, for life hacks. You know, that can help us all make them. Adulting is a mess. Tell me about it. This transition in life is probably the most difficult and the least talked about. You know, a lot of these subjects can't even talk with other people because there's somewhat, you know, when you talk about money, people are embarrassed to talk about their money. They're embarrassed to talk about their relationship. You know, a lot of times they're embarrassed to talk about their health and career too, because they think somebody else might get ahead. We want to bring that all out into the open and make this adulting mess a whole lot easier. Not through just Uh, self-development mojo jojo. I don't want to just be spewing positive affirmations at you. I feel like the only way we can learn is through learning from people who've already been there, people who have actually suffered the pain of these Mm -hmm. obstacles and learn from their advice. And I don't expect anyone to take somebody else's life experiences word for word and apply it to their life, but it's finding those nuggets that really turn that light bulb on for you 
you and you're like, wow, that's what I was missing. This one thing I've been trying to lose weight. I've been trying to build my relationships and failed constantly over and over and over again. But somebody tells you that they've experienced this and this was their light bulb moment. And you're like, huh, that's exactly what I've been missing. And those are the kinds of real, real raw stories that we want to bring out and just share with people. Share in a constructive way, share in a loving way, just to be there to support each other because this adulting thing is very, very lonely and it can make you feel inadequate. It can make you feel unworthy, but you're not. You are so, so much more. You are incredibly special and your experiences can change somebody else's life. You don't think that what you've gone through is anything different than, say, Sally or Bob over there. But really, your experiences are so individualized to your life. Nobody has seen the world like you've seen the world. Nobody has experienced this weight gain, weight loss, this money journey, this career journey, any of these journeys the way that you have experienced this journey. And so we want to share journeys. We want to share personal experiences and just share hope because there is hope. Everybody starts from somewhere. You have to fall and get back up hundreds, if not more than hundreds of times to be able to find those realizations. But maybe we can do that a little quicker. Maybe we can take a little bit of a shortcut. And instead of you falling a hundred times, you can fall 15 or 20 times and listen to a podcast and somebody will give you that insight that just clicks. It just makes sense. And that's what we want is we want a resource for you. So you can be resourceful like I say I am in school. We want you to be resourceful in life. And instead of failing over and over and over again, let's just listen. Let's just quiet ourselves, chill for a second, take some time to listen to somebody who's gone through a journey that you're struggling in right now. And hopefully, will give you some resources to be able to apply to your life. And you can take that baby step forward. Instead of falling one more time, you can make that subtle change. You can shift your mindset a little bit, take it one day at a time. And ideally, in time, in six months, a year, you can look back and be like, wow, that podcast I listened to is the reason I was able to lose 15 pounds this year. And I hope you share that with us because we want to see your progress. We want to see your growth. We want to see these incredible moments and be there to cheer you on. Because like I said, it can be very easy to feel down on yourself. And we want to be the biggest cheerleaders you can possibly have because we believe in you. And there's room in this pond for everyone. Your beauty, your skills, your talents, they need to be shared with the world. Because if they're not, then what's the point? Well said. You know, and I think you're the perfect example as I, you know, I've been through my failures and difficulties and struggles and so on. And not that either of us are at that perfect place. I, I think you've always said, you know, we're just the guinea pigs here. We're bringing in other everyday experts uh, to help out with this. We're just pulling out that wisdom uh, from them. But I do think that at this point for you, just as we were talking about yourself and this health relationship career, uh, and money journey uh, of yours uh, in adulthood, you've gone from that place of failure and destruction to a place of peace and self-acceptance and an empowering purpose uh, in life. And your goal is that everyone listening to us right now can have that uh, and an equal or better transformation from your low points to where you are. Now. And it's so. so, so possible. I mean, you can never say anything is impossible because really it's not, but you can do it. 
you can make it there. And it just takes one day, one day at a time. You don't need to think about a week from now. You don't need to think about a year from now. You need to think about how am I going to change tomorrow so that I can not feel so down on myself? How can I shift the way I'm thinking about myself instead of looking in the mirror and telling myself, oh, I'm ugly. I I look horrible. How did I gain 10 pounds over quarantine? How did I do all these things? Find that one thing that you can say, hey, my smile is beautiful. Hey, I love the color of my eyes. Wow, my natural hair is beautiful. These are the little things that you need to find and you need to find the positivity in an otherwise negative perspective. And sooner rather than later, you're going to start finding other little positive things. And that's going to blossom into you instead of hating your body, hating yourself, looking at yourself and being like, hey, I'm not perfect, but that's okay. I'm beautiful. And I love who I'm becoming because I don't think I'll ever, for me personally, I don't think I'll ever be done with this journey. But I can love and accept the person I am today and be excited for the person I'm going to be in the future, whoever that might be. Be on the lookout for our book. And until next week, better your best you, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you next week on the Power Adulting Podcast.